welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello folks, welcome to another episode of 1% Better and this one I am hoping to help you from a financial perspective, not me per se, but my guest is going to hopefully help you think about your finances differently and potentially with the ultimate goal of becoming financially free or, or have freedom from your financial worries and set yourself up pretty much nicely. And if that happens, I would absolutely be happy if you put 10% of uh, all those earnings and savings towards this podcast. Um, but let's see how it goes. Um, his name is Michael Houghton and he is on the line. So Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob, for having me. Very good. Looking forward to hearing your uh, story. I said that the whole time, but selfishly want to learn how to uh, become a better investor, how to uh, certainly save and, you know, live my dream life in the in the near future, potentially. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds good. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are, are wanting that. And uh, for many, it's just a matter of changing spending habits and starting to think about putting money away now so that uh, in the future, you'll have more, more, more available, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a universal theme that people want to be financially safe and secure. And obviously, if they can retire early uh, and live the, their their best life, that's going to be good. So hopefully we'll, we'll dig into some of, of that. I guess it's something, though, as I said, everybody wants. So you've always wanted this. Is it something that's just more recently become a, a realistic goal for you? You know what, Rob? It actually started because of the tax system in Ireland, right? So I have a, a corporation and I've always been a freelance web developer. And when I, I moved here in 2011 from New Zealand, and when I finally got my Irish company set up, um, I started taking wages out of the company. And uh, when I found out that uh, when you get to a certain cap that you're paying 50% tax, that was just really hard for me to swallow. Because in New Zealand, the top, top tax rate's about 30% on a, on a lot higher than it would be here. So it very much became a case of, well, what am I going to do with all this money that's sitting in the company? I don't want to take it out. Uh, I can leave it in the company at being far more uh, tax efficient. And so I started to look at ways of actually, um, I guess, living more frugally because we couldn't take out as much money as we wanted, but also investing the difference within the company. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So you said it's it's a lot different in New Zealand. That's obviously where you're originally from. When and when you arrived here, just before you came in 2011, what was your your career? Web development. You know, you've done yeah. entrepreneur for for a while. Yeah, correct. I mean, I've I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, but at the core of it, I've always been selling my time for money, right? And what I mean by that is I've been basically charging an hourly rate as a as a web developer. And you know, kind of one of the the things that always got to me is, and I'm, a lot of people are in the situation. I'm earning a lot more money now than I was, say, in my 20s. I'm, I'm 35 now. Uh, yet for many years and you know, up until recently, it, it didn't make, seem to make a difference. Come Christmas time, you'd kind of you'd start thinking about New Year's resolutions and things like that. And, you know, I didn't have any more money than, than I did. I, I was earning a lot more, maybe three times as much as I was you know, 10 years previous. But there didn't seem to be any uh, sort of left over. And, and that was kind of the, the thought pattern around what's, what's, what am I doing wrong? You know, what, why am I earning more money but I don't seem to have any more? Uh, if anything, it felt like I had less. So, you know, that was kind of some of the, the stuff. And we really started looking at a lot of our spending habits as a family. I've got three young boys. Uh, we live in a village called Castle Connell in County Limerick. 
Um, and we just started to, to kind of look at some of the habits that we had, you know, would kind of go shopping each week and not really think about how much money we were spending or, you know, find yourself going grocery shopping three times a week and not really looking at what you're putting in the basket. So we just sort of started to, to look at that side of it. And it was very much this case of we kind of realized that if we could cut down our expenses, start investing some money that actually produced cash flow, that I wouldn't have to work uh, work such long hours. Mm. So it does come down to, I think, just exactly that, being deliberate and really starting to look at your daily, weekly, monthly expenditure. And it's probably something none of us ever do. I think the last time I might have done it was for when I was looking for a top up for my mortgage. Right. So you actually have to yes. produce that um, report back to the bank so that they can give you money and charge you ridiculous interest on it. But uh, so what, what was the approach you took to, to be that deliberate about it maybe just talk us through a, a little bit about that yeah so we basically started tracking our expenses this was the first thing and this is the first advice that i'd give to anybody that is even remotely interested in, in starting the path or the journey to financial independence is start start having an idea of where your money actually goes and we basically have various categories that we just put money we categorize money into and the weird thing was you know after a month of doing that you kind of sit down and look at the numbers and you'd realize just how much money is being wasted on on things that actually bring no happiness, right? And so we kind of had this, we, we, I guess me and my wife made this deal that anything that we bought, it had to be related to our happiness, so either our happiness or, or giving ourselves more time, right? So that was kind of the, the key to this stuff. Um, and that was, that was kind of the big realization. We just realized just how much money, at least 20 or 30% of our, our money was being spent on stuff that just brought no joy to us, you know, and it was just, we could easily cut it out, uh, and have a better life for it. Hmm. So did you literally have kind of a, a table of stuff you're spending on and in a column happiness index against it or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, these days you, you, you spend so much, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not really using cash that much. So it's actually quite easy to go back, pull up a bank statement or a credit card statement and just go through Excel and, and almost line by line go through it and just, you know, pick a month and just, just see where, it, where it's all going. Mm, very, very good. So once you started doing that, you saw the potential for what you were saving and then was your strategy or approach to to reinvest that to look to put that somewhere else that can give you a, a, a guaranteed or higher chance of return on investment yeah so i mean look obviously with investing this there's no guarantee and mm -hmm. the investing side has been a massive learning curve right so that's uh i've, I've made many a mistake and uh, look i think anybody that's going to go into the investing world is, is going to go through that to a degree but uh in the end these days I've kind of settled on on peer to peer lending, so that's that's where you basically invest your money in a platform, and that's given out as sort of loans across Europe or in Ireland as well, um, and that can be quite good. I, I typically get twelve percent annual return on that, which comes in about one percent a month. So, if I have ten thousand with a platform, you know, I might be getting a hundred euros in interest, um, and yeah, various other things, the share market, um, Christmas trees, right? So I've got a Christmas tree investment in the UK. Um, a little bit of uh, forex trading as well. I invest with some uh, traders that, that trade on my behalf. Um, so yeah, various things. But you know, it's not even that, Rob. There's other ways that you can invest your money. Um, so like, I've started some side businesses now and and put my own money into that um, to try and look to get some sort of return on investment uh, in the long run. Um, and you know, it's it's not even so much about the investing side necessarily. I I think as much as anything, it's just about kind of building a lifestyle and. You know, I kind of mentioned earlier that when we cut down our expenses, I've been able to cut down on my hours as a freelance web developer. So 
I'm only working part time these days as a freelance web developer, and it's allowed me to have the time to kind of see opportunities and take other opportunities that I may not otherwise have the time for. Mm. Definitely want to ask a little bit more about that in a second, but just going back to the peer to peer lending and and that looking at your website which is nicely put together and i know you're very transparent with what you're investing and how much you're making on your portfolio page i've seen huge growth in your peer-to-peer over this the course of this year the six months or so and i think i looked into peer-to-peer a few years ago just a kind of cursory look and i found it quite difficult to even get signed up and be allowed to do it maybe at the time there was not as many sites or, or or platforms in out of ireland that you could use so maybe talk to me a bit about that how that's a, a viable option and again i thought there was a, a lot of potential risk around it um maybe explain a bit more about how that works yeah so i mean on the risk side it is an unregulated investment right so yeah you've got the central bank of ireland and you know something like if you go and, and buy shares or something that's at least regulated so there's some sort of watchdog over it and in the peer-to-peer space at the moment there isn't now the biggest uh, peer-to-peer lender in, in Europe, which is Mintos, which is where I'd have the majority of my uh, money with, that's Mintos.com, they are pushing, actively pushing for regulation. And the way that they kind of work is is they don't actually uh, take the loans out themselves. They work with other loan orient, uh, originators in various countries in Eastern Europe and actually in Asia now and um, even parts of Africa. And um, effectively, you're kind of distributing the money to those um, to those loan uh, originators and then that's distributed then to the loans. And typically you're never putting a loan of more than 10 euros per loan, right? So you kind of diversify as much as you can. And Mintos also offers what's called a buyback guarantee or a lot of the loan lenders uh, do offer a buyback guarantee. That basically means that in the event of a default on that loan, the loan um, the loan company will actually at least guarantee the the, the um the principal so you get your your original 10 euros back mm, okay that definitely is one i plan to to look into um because i think yeah i think that the concern is you hear it you hear about it you might think it's completely unsafe and huge volatility and lots of risk which i'm sure there is yes. but as you said if there's some sort of guarantee to to match your principal in some instances that that's a bit more attractive and is there is there um, any recommendations on that for how long you would leave your funds in and do you kind of tie it up for six months on certain areas or durations that they're lock-in periods? Yeah, so most loans would be under a year. So ideally you want to be having those ones because the trouble of going longer than that is you don't know what's going to happen, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, in many ways, the peer-to-peer lending, it hasn't you know, hasn't had a recession to test against it. Most peer-to-peer lending sites came up after the the last recession, so we don't know what impact would happen if there was suddenly a kind of a, a big a big uh, recession come along and what sort of pullback that might have. But I think the main thing is, Rob, you've got to diversify, right? So you never put such amount in, in one platform or one single investment that if it went bust or went bad, that you would be uh, badly off. So like even in the case of um, my portfolio, yes, around 45% is within peer-to-peer lending, but that's divided amongst 10 platforms. So the risk is kind of limited from that point of view. Even if one went bust, it might only be 5 or 10% in my overall portfolio gone. Mm. So it sounds like there's a lot of time invested in managing all of these different 
investments i suppose is that fair to say like how how long do you spend doing that um obviously it must be a return on investment it sounds like you're you're making calculated decisions around this so be interested in to know especially for folks that have are coming at this from a, a zero starting point knowledge wise what you know what what are the things to to learn how would they get ramped up quickly that sort of stuff Yes, I mean YouTube's definitely YouTube sure. definitely makes things a lot easier, uh, and you're right. I mean, there there certainly is a a bit of time involved in actually working out the the investments, but it's it's largely about finding your own strategy. And I think yeah, let, let's say you take two or three months to work the stuff out. Once the investment's actually made, then you just get to sit back and relax. So it's very much do the research once, you know, read some reviews once, get comfortable with it once make the investment and then everything's on on autopilot. So even in the case of peer-to-peer lending, there's a thing called auto-invest. It just basically invests on the loans for you. Once one loan's paid back, it just automatically invests in a new loan for you. So it's extremely passive once everything's actually set up. Mm. Is there a large management fees with peer-to-peer lending? No, no, no. The, I mean, no. I'm assuming the, the, the platforms usually would just be making their margin um, on on sort of the interest rate. So there's no direct fees. You know, what the interest rate that you see is the interest rate that you get. Okay. And do you have any insight into the actual person that's receiving the loan or group or whatever as in yeah, the, yeah. the level so of you risk can, with them? Yeah, correct. So in the case of Mentos, they actually will grade all of their um, their lenders. So you can have an idea of, um, you know, what, what their grade is according to Mentos anyway. And um, you can also click on an individual loan, see the age of the person, see what country they're in, see the reason for the loan, um, see their payment history on that loan. So you kind of get a good idea of, of what's going on. Hmm. Interesting. You mentioned forestry or, or Christmas trees then. I think that's something I've heard other folks invest in over a while. Is that very low return over a long period of time? How does that one work? Yeah, so this particular company, they're actually a UK-based um, company. Uh, originally, they've also got a company in Ireland. Uh, they're called Walker Forestry. Um, and they basically have just been growing the Christmas trees. They take five years to grow. I think I own around 17,500 of them, of them uh, in Birmingham somewhere. And uh, it's a five-year investment. The return I'm getting on that is around 15% uh, per year. Mm. But I don't see any of that money until the five years is up. So there is certainly a risk in that uh, from that point of view. Um, but if it does pay off, then it, it will be a good return. And what, just on that one, the risk of the 15%, what, what are the risk factors within not hitting that? Is it just the, I suppose, climate and just fires? Or no, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the, the trees themselves are insured. So that side of it's okay. I would say the risk would be if the company went bust or insolvent. Um, or if there was just some, you know, they were running a scam or whatever. But, um, you know, again, you do all the research you can. There's no guarantees, of course, but um, you try and do all the research you can. And, and you know, you're dealing with a UK and an Irish company. So from that point of view, it's a little bit more safe than uh, investing in something offshore. Um, but at the same time, there's no guarantee. But to be honest, Rob, the way you've got to look at it is that when you make that investment, like if, if you're so tied to the money, you're not going to be able to invest. The way that I would invest is I see it as an expense, right? So I talked about earlier that we cut down on buying things. Mm-hmm. We still buy things. We now just buy investments instead. Okay. So it's very much a case of you buy it and you, you're almost in your in your own mind. You you think of the money being gone. Um, and, and when it comes back then, um, then that's obviously a bonus. And, and in the case of like, let's say, peer-to-peer lending, what I'm really buying is that monthly cash coming in. That's ultimately what I'm wanting to see and, and what I'm interested in getting back. 
and it is it, it it's paid out monthly effectively there with that with correct the okay yeah so so i could effectively i mean i do in some cases just withdraw that each month and and that's just a little bit of cash flow coming in for us then hmm, interesting so you mentioned the whole idea of compound interest and and how important that is i think that's something i on one of the other episodes i talked about right f- around finance that certainly came to the fore can you explain a little bit more about that and is that you know underlying everything you do do you see uh, the compound interest as a kind of a fundamental for your investments Ah, totally totally i mean the ability to to reinvest and and just keep investing is is really at at the core um and that's ultimately what's going to actually replace your earned income so that's that's really what what we're trying to do is is we're you know at the moment most people would be earning money through selling their time we're trying to reduce the amount of time that or, or earned income if you like and replace it with that passive income um and you know to get that growth you need that compounding effect for sure so do you have a long-term plan laid out at what point you said you're 35 now you know how many years do you feel it will take before you're kind of at that point of inflection where maybe you're you're not working quote-unquote doing you know getting paid for your your time and it's it's uh you're just sitting back and the passive income is coming in do you have um a plan or a, a target yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned that. I actually didn't. Uh, so just for the listeners, I've started my own podcast on a lot of this stuff, and I did one particular episode where I actually calculated how long it would take. And at the moment, we typically say three thousand euros a month, or we're investing three thousand euros a month, and it actually was going to be eleven, eleven and a half years of doing that uh, for us to have a pot of about six hundred thousand, which would give us enough to actually live off our investments. And the conclusion that I've kind of come to is, for me, the investing side is largely Plan B. Right. So I'm going to keep doing that. But at the same time, particularly because I freed up my time, it's allowed me now to, to work on building you know, business systems and scalable businesses and things that can actually uh, potentially get me there faster, I guess. Mm. Very uh, interesting. You'll still be a young man in 11 years time when, when you get get to that stage. Um, so maybe talk to me a little bit more about, I suppose, some of the other areas that you're really looking at that we didn't touch on in in the kind of overall picture the other other parts of your strategy maybe yeah sure so i think one of the big things that that we do which would differ from most people is and and i we probably haven't touched on it yet rob one of the reasons why i'm not hoping it takes 11 years is because it's hard it's really 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 difficult i mean we we do budget every single day um, we live off a single income, uh, you know, under the tax cutoff rate. So it is a real struggle for us on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we, you know, get through each month. Um, now, obviously, it's a different sort of struggle. It's a, it's a it's a forced struggle that we that we're making ourselves have. Um, but one of the things that we do is is like, yeah, we we used to track our expenses, but now we actually have a a very specific budget that we do. And we basically allocate all our money into various categories. So you might have your car costs, you know, your your bills, your mortgage, uh, your food costs, uh, entertainment. You know, basically have all of these various categories. And we take our sort of monthly income and we allocate, yeah, we allocate that to each of those various categories. Um, and then we just budget off that. So let's say we put 800 euros a month into our food. We basically make sure that we live off that each month. Um, now, food can be a little bit harder, but you know, some other examples might be a clothing budget that we have or an entertainment budget that we have. And we kind of micromanage all of our sort of budgeting on a day-to-day basis. Um, so from that point of view, it is it is difficult, but it's really the only way at this stage to kind of allow us to, to get through. Hmm. It strikes me, you know, you mentioned how difficult it is. And 
I guess some of the stuff I I do advocate for is try to live in the now as opposed to maybe live further down the road. So is there, you know, does that cause any conflict? Is there challenges, you know, when you're trying to debate over how much to allocate for this pot for the month? And I suppose, how do you, you know, obviously all have to be bought into this and uh, how do you deal with any of that sort of conflict that might come up? Yeah, so the, the, you know there is there are times where and look, the, the budgeting side is very difficult. Like it's it's like Parliament when we uh, try and uh, get the budget to balance. But um, yeah, the thing is, time freedom is for me and I think for our family as well. Time free freedom is the best and the ultimate thing. And there's many a time you know we might say to my wife and I might say, look, you know, do you just want me to go back and work full time? You know, we could just ramp this up and pay more tax on our income and you know not not have to deal with this. But then the upside is you've got all this time freedom, right? So we don't set alarms anymore when we get up and, you know, we don't have to worry too much. I, I do two, two, three hours, four hours work a day in, in my own time. If we want to go out for a bit or my wife wants to go to have a sleep during the day or if I want to have a sleep during the day, then we take one. Um, and so we are kind of living in the now from that point of view. Sure. We're, we're, we, you know, rather than worrying about the money side, we get the time side, but we're also putting all of this money into our investments. So it's very much a case where, Yes, we are living hard on the finance side, but we have time freedom and we appreciate that so, so much um, that, you know, going back to the to the old way, the way we used to, it just seems like a bridge too far now. Mm. No, I think you've explained it very well. And, you know, myself included, even though I do try to, you know, meditate and get up early to allow myself to work on certain things that I really enjoy and have more time in the day, less sleep so more more specifically more time to do things and 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 be present it's still you know you're still going to the day job you're still earning x to pay x plus y and uh, you know there's that level of striving and you know we are still also looking forward to a retirement or whatever that might be um but still balancing things in the now so i can definitely get a hint of that feeling of being on vacation for a week and you know having the choice to to do whatever you want to do um and and still you know if you still can work a few hours a day to to keep things rolling in it it sounds blissful and i can certainly see if you uh if you have that opportunity and you start living to that and getting by and being able to do all those things with your kids and your family it 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 that's obviously experiences are are more valuable than than any money yeah. in the bank, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think the other thing too, Rob. In many ways, I've been fortunate because I've been a freelancer, and you kind of see it that I'm no less productive in in four hours than I than I would be in eight. Uh, I've made myself more productive. I've got better at my craft, and so in many ways, I've kind of challenged that eight hour day. That to be honest, when I when I cut down to part time was last September. I cut down. It was actually getting over the mindset of not being an eight hour worker anymore. And and at first it was very difficult. It, it didn't make sense to me. But once I did it and I realized, you know, it worked, um, it's been great. And I don't suffer burnout anymore. I don't feel the need to go on holiday every three months like I used to. Um, you know, I'm, my brain isn't as exhausted. And, you know, the actual work that I do when I do do my freelancing work is extremely productive because I'm, I'm not feeling tired. I'm not, uh, not making mistakes. Mm. Maybe talk a little bit about productivity. It is an area that I'm passionate about I'm, i did a podcast about it a couple of years ago i'm actually writing another post and going to do another solo show about it because my views on productivity have changed a little over the last couple of years and uh, i'd be interested to just hear you know certain things you do to be productive 
Yeah. So, I mean, as, as a programmer, I've always been extremely efficient, right? So I always kind of had that side of it. And it's it's a weird business to be in because there's not many businesses where, or at least industries where, you know, you're paying for somebody's time, but what you're wanting is actually the outcome. Yeah. And it was kind of that realization that I, I, you know, I, I kept putting my hourly rate up and you get pushback from clients. And even though I might be 10 times faster than, say, a, a program in the subcontinent, they didn't get that. You know, it didn't make sense. So I actually moved away altogether from billing time and, and, and got that notion away mm. and just started billing like your local plumber would. Right. You've got yeah. a job. You know, this is how much it's going to be. The client doesn't care how long it takes right. as long as the job's done and, and the quality is good. Um, and when I shifted from that mindset, I basically shifted from selling my time to working on a, I need to earn X per day. So when I go to work in the morning, it's, I'm going to bill X, X, X euros per day. Um, and Hey, if it gets to 12 o'clock and I'm done, great. You know, my job is done and my, my client is happy. Right. And, um, I'm, I'm getting paid well for my experience and my efficiency. Mm. Do you see that model? And I, I totally get it as well. I was just talking to a friend of mine last week about, in some ways, I would love to be able to write code and, and dive into that sort of work. It, my brain doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But I guess sitting at your desk and, and being passionate about what your what your output is going to be uh, seems seems exciting. And it's you know, maybe somewhat solitary, but that that's OK as well, you know, if, if, uh, if you are working on your own. But is there other ways you think instead of build by the hour build by the output uh, could could be um something attractive in other roles is that something you've thought oh, about totally i mean totally i mean look it's it, the freelancing is becoming more and more mainstream now mm. and the push towards this we're going to be seeing and yeah, i think we're going to be seeing more and more of this and it's one of those things that like yeah like i talked about cutting down from eight to four hours at first it seemed crazy i was like wow is this going to be okay to do um, but the funny thing is my clients are happier now because when I send them an invoice, I'm not sending them an invoice for 60 hours work. I'm giving them a list of every task that's been done with a price next to it and they can actually see the value. Um, so I think, you know, there's certainly opportunities, uh, for people, you know, if, if you are in a job at the moment and, you know, you've been thinking, you know, you, you are good at your work and, and you do, you know, you do, you do produce value. Yeah. then certainly there's ways to set up businesses and, and just try to try to look to do that. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not alone. I mean, that's that's what consultants are doing. That you know, there's, there's many people actually moving to this model. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's for, for me, it's been life changing. I think we, we get so caught up on time and clock watching and, you know, being in a, a certain place at a certain time. And when you remove that stress, life is just <laughs> so much easier. You know, I, I no longer stress about it. Like the work's going to get done um at some point it's almost a case now where, where my lifestyle is first and then my work is second uh, and that's quite a quite a dramatic change so you know you asked earlier how long it's going to take in many ways i call it a journey but i'm kind of already living it to a degree mm-hmm. um and yes it's not complete financial freedom it's, it's casual semi-financial freedom at the moment um but at the same time i get to work with the clients i like uh, you know that i that i get to work with and i, I like the work um, so from that point of view, it's great. You know, if I was fully financially independent, would I stop being a, a programmer? Probably not. Yeah. So it'd be almost, almost exactly the same as, as it is now. So, you know, from that point of view, I am living in the now. It's sort of this situation where I wanted to structure my life around what I saw retirement being. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an industry co- concept because I think for a lot of people, you know, might be in their sixties, they've got this big retirement sort of, you know, it's almost like this 
<laughs> this big day. Yeah. You're going to go from working 40 hours plus to nothing. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's going to be hard. That is going to yeah. be hard. Yeah. And so I really wanted to transition into it slowly but surely. Um, and that's kind of you know, been how, how I've done it. And I mean, look, the business side, you know, I've started some side hustles and doing various things. That's interesting to me. I mean, that's that's not the escape necessarily. I, I just feel oblig- almost obligated to do it. And, you know, you, you kind of when you're not tied up all the time, you've actually got time to, to do stuff. Most people can't do something because they don't have the time. They see the opportunity. But they don't have the time, and and I kind of feel like right, you know, somebody will come with me to me with a great idea, and I'll say, look, I can do that. I've got the time to do that. Let's let's explore it, mm. you know. So from that point of view, it's it's just fun, I think. Yeah, I think what's changing for me as we kind of talk through this and before, it, you know, before we started and how I probably how I would have advertised or promoted this would be around the financial freedom and what imagery comes up for me and people there is that you hit 65 or 70 you get your big pot of money and then you can you know play bad golf and go on cruises or whatever for the the last x amount of years of your life hopefully 20 or 30 or more but it's not really that at all i think um what you're what you're advocating it's in lots of ways love what you do um get paid for that high quality work now and and be kind of almost in that semi-retired state for forever uh but still keep working because like i i there's certain things i love to do and i'd love to be um getting paid for them and i wouldn't in any way probably want to stop doing that beyond a certain point uh, you know so it's trying to <clears throat> flip the mindset from the the old traditional 40 years of work to maybe earlier in your career start balancing it out and maybe do your 50% work 50% having more time with your family and and go longer and and just kind of keep those kind of balanced kind of views along along the way if, if I'm kind of making sense there yeah totally I mean and I mean I'll give you an example Rob so one of the things that I that I did when I when I went part-time is I set up a hockey coaching business right so I play hockey and my, my children play hockey and I, I set that business up for the sole reason that I wanted to be able to coach my kids more and and actually you know play play hockey with them more and i went down and saw the school principal at the local school you know bought a bottle of uh, new zealand seven blanken and uh you know he was all for it he said yeah let's do this you know got the insurance you know had everything done and uh you know i'm coaching 30 kids down at that school now and i've gone from being the guy that used to pick up his kid that nobody would say anything to to the guy that goes down to the school and everybody says "Uh, hey mike how are you you know great session the other day um, and everybody knows me, right? So my, my wife had to go on and do some volunteering at the school and they didn't say, oh, this is my son's fa- um, wife. They said, oh, that's Michael's husband, right? Because I'm just known by everybody now. So, you know, from that point of view, you know, anything else aside and, and uh, you yeah, that business isn't really there to make money. It's a, like I said, it's a hobby business, mm-hmm. but you're actually, you can actually walk down the street and people will say hello to you and you're actually you know, somebody of, of almost importance or at least you feel like you're giving back to your community. Mm. And I think for so many of us, you know, we're, we're so tired, we're getting up early, we're getting back late, we don't have those opportunities. And, and I just think, why not? Why not take those opportunities now when my kids are young? And really, if I had the choice, all I want to do is spend as much time with them as possible. Mm. So from a personality perspective, from, from a, a confidence perspective, how, have you changed have you noticed a change in yourself as a result of some of these you know these tweaks you've been making yeah it's interesting you know people now i had a guy a a friend of my son knock at the door today he actually came unannounced and he came in and he just asked me about a business that he wanted to set up and 
you know, my, I've got a neighbor who's also setting up a business and, you know, she's trying to get into that. And so people, I find, I'm finding more and more people are coming to me now. And it's not like I'm advertising the fact that, that I'm doing this stuff. Right? I try to keep it as low profile as, 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 prof, as possible. But of course, you know, I, Irish people talk and word, word kind of spreads. So from that point of view, it's, I, I'm, yeah, I want to talk about this stuff. I love talking about this stuff. I think everybody should be doing this to some degree, right? I think the, the kind of the, the other way of living of that sort of let's just keep buying and the work spend kind of stuck in the rat race. We have to go to work because we've got to pay off our debts life is is one that you know, needs to change for most people. And I just I mean, if, if I can talk to people about this, if I can help them on their businesses, if I can provide advice with the tax system and so on. I mean, you know, one of the biggest injustices and we talked about this at the start for me is you've got a corporate tax rate of 12 and a half percent, yet an upper personal tax rate of 50 percent. You know, you've got a 40% difference in the tax tax rate. It's just, yeah, people should be on the streets. But of course, most people don't even know or, or you know, aren't, aren't aware of it. So, uh, or at least don't know how they could, how, how they could take advantage of it. Mm. And maybe just from a tactical perspective, a, a practical point of view, what are ways they could take advantage just of that, uh, you know, not to be completely handing over everything to, to the tax man per se? Yes. Is there anything specific that anyone starting out that they could make you make them aware of that they should uh, they should look to apply yeah absolutely so i mean look if you've got a, a poe job there's really nothing you can much you can do about that but the best advice i would give is start a company um start a business of some sort i mean the, the cost of living in new zealand rob is so expensive that almost everybody i know in new zealand has a, a side business just to make enough money to, to live it's the cost of living there is is close to double what it what it is, is in ireland so you know you can you can form a company in, in ireland now for 100 euros right it's pretty cheap um and then any any money that that company earns in most cases is going to be taxed at 12 and a half percent the idea would be to leave the the money in the company so don't actually pay yourself out keep you know, get, get your wages through your, your job, keep any other uh, money that the business makes in the company. And then you've got a few options. You could start a pension within that, right? So company pensions in Ireland are fantastic. The amount of money that you can put into a, a pension through a company as a company director is scandalous compared to what you can put in as a PAY earner. Um, or alternatively, just keep it in there, invest it through, through that company, extremely tax efficient doing it that way, right? Or just keep it as as cash, and when you retire, you can then just keep drawing that down through wages. Mm, definitely uh, a good a good idea. And obviously, you can create that company. You don't actually have. There's no upper or sorry lower limit to what you actually have to generate revenue wise in a year. Is there like you can just no. be you can just be making a loss every year, whatever that might yes. be, to pay your accountant. Right. But ultimately, adding um, can you be putting in capital to that on a yearly basis yes. I said just adding yeah, it in and yeah. just adding so you it can you, you can you can loan yourself the money you need to be seen to be doing a trade right so there needs to be some sort of trade happening right so you can't just like almost do a facebook and have no kind of income for years and years and years or at least you'd have to justify that i suspect um but like let's let's just assume that i mean let's take me as a freelance developer let's say you're you're a, a graphic designer or something like that it's your job you set up a company you do a little bit of freelance work you find find clients through linkedin um, you know, you invoice a company through that. Uh, if your income's low enough, you wouldn't even have to worry about that, right? Or if you're getting overseas clients, you, um, you don't have to worry about that. Great. Um, and then you kind of just just have the money coming in that way. And yeah, look, there are additional expenses, right? So there's obviously accountants that you have to go and go and see. Um, but a lot of accountants will, will do a tax return, yeah, relatively cheap. Yeah. No, interesting and probably 
probably from talking to those people that are asking you these sort of questions the idea of setting up a company is a huge deal for them and it just seems to to the barrier for for entry of all of that probably is too big of a deal but when you break it down and and make it clear uh and and i suppose develop their attitude to risk or, or understanding it probably makes it a lot more simple yeah totally and i mean look even when i first got here in 2011 the company i set up was a lot more expensive but these days there's services that'll do it for 100 euros um the company actually gets you actually get that money back as well through the company right once it's established so the company actually pays for that formation um so it's but it's very much a different mindset i mean the, the biggest advantage of having a corporation is this there's a couple of advantages but a few of the biggest ones are obviously you know you get your income and then you deduct your expenses and you only pay tax and your profit right so as a as a if, you, if you've got a job you don't actually you've got a pay to get there right from your from your from your salary you don't get to deduct that right um whereas with a with a company you know you get travel you get mileage you get to if you're based out at home you get deductions back from your internet connection your mobile phone bill percentage of your electricity if you're renting a percentage of your rent right so all of these things are deductions and then you're only paying tax on on the profit and then the other thing is rob you're not paying that tax until september next year Right. Yeah. So you know, you with a yeah, you, exactly. You yeah. can just just let it let it be there to help you with cash flow management, if nothing else. Right. Obviously, be aware that that is going to have to be paid at, at some point. And you know, we see so many companies go out of business because they don't account for that. Um, so be responsible. Um, but at the same time, it is a, a huge advantage that you can take advantage of. Yeah, agreed. And I think um, people people just again going back to not speaking on behalf of everybody, but. It's like ah, oh, it's probably too much hassle. I just I won't bother doing it. I don't know what I'm doing, and it's that um, it's just not for me sort of mentality. So I think by listening to you and you explaining it, there's obviously resources online. People can you know get in touch with you, and we'll we'll share some of those details later. But I guess the encouraging element of what we're trying to get across is here is anyone can do this, even if it is just something simple as an aside on top of your day job to allow you to make a few extra euros and then to to look at investing it in somewhere or another um yeah it, it shouldn't just be not for me as an answer you know yeah and and to be honest rob it, look you, you're right it does seem scary at first but once you do it and you you start going down that road it's really not it's 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 a it's a series of steps a company is nothing more than a piece of paper all right so um it's it's not that scary and it, it just I, I don't know i mean it, it just gives you it gives you more options and and you know the the business aside like the 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 legal setup aside you know, having a business is a great feeling to have it's great seeing a business grow and you know dealing with new customers and you know being able to fire a, a customer if you want right so you you've just got so much more more sort of freedom and control over over the type of work you do yeah those are the two words i was probably going to say back to you freedom and control i think are two words i would say that i've seen pop up the most through an early it's weird over the last few episodes i've started to see kind of patterns jumping out and just stepping back and reflecting from all the episodes i've done and freedom and control are, are the probably two words closely aligned when i talk to entrepreneurs and there's always a sense a very clear sense of uh the, i suppose you knowing what you're doing and and confidence i suppose when you uh when you talk about how how you run a business and those two things um values i suppose are, are the ones that jump out very prominently uh, along the way um 
in in the, the area of kind of being influenced by others that have inspired you to do this have you taken learnings from from many that uh, have yeah. helped you along your your journey you- Hugely, Rob. Look, none, none of this is, is none of this is my ideas, right? This is just stuff that I've learned along the way and and obviously ad- adapted. Um, but but probably the the biggest one is is Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, bestseller in 1997. But it's a very 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 easy read that book. Um, but that kind of gets things gets things going. Um, you know, you can, there's a few guys on YouTube that you can follow. Uh, there's a guy called Dan Locke that um, that talks about this stuff. Uh, Tony Robbins is another one. It talks about taking control of your money and and setting up a freedom fund he calls it um so there's there's so many there there, there is a lot of resources on it uh, i think for me doing the podcast on this is nice because it's an irish context um and a lot of the guys that have become financially independent are mainly based in the us um but you know there is look it's it's great and and i would spend easily an hour a day rob learning and keep learning and watching videos listening to podcasts on this stuff um there is a constant learning curve but you know that's that's part of the fun. That's part of the the personal de- development journey, I guess. Yeah, and I think what's interesting with your your site and the the transparency of the portfolio piece. I've I've seen other, I guess, podcasters that have done something similar. I don't know if you listen to it, John Lee Dumas. Uh, he um he has his own website and uh, obviously podcast. I think he does. He has over two thousand episodes, but he has um an earnings kind of counter on his on his front page on a monthly basis how much millions he's earned over the last number of years which is interesting i interviewed him last year and just asked him why and it's not about showing off it's about just being transparent and said look this is this is the truth that you know you you hear and see a lot of uh these kind of quote-unquote coaches or, or multi-millionaire um consultants and it it seems like a lot of spin and kind of pyramid schemes and just trying to lure people in um but when you do it transparently and it's fact fact based data driven it uh it certainly has more credibility is i guess that's the same motivations you're you're using there a little bit to be honest rob though i figure if i put it online and publish it it's going to make me not give up on it right that's that's probably my big drive i mean my portfolio now is just under sixty five thousand. You know, it's it's a long way off where it needs to be in terms of full financial independence, and you know, it seems it might seem a lot, but it's it's still tiny in comparison to where it needs to be. Um, but at the same time, it it makes sure that I keep going on this and keep pushing and and keep developing and learning and and have that accountability. I guess I think if you publish your goals, you're going to be that much more likely to actually achieve them. Yeah, I I agree. I I gave up alcohol in 2018 and I kind of wrote about it on a regular basis and I still haven't gone back to it. So I think that absolutely helps. But you started your your portfolio started at 40 grand, was it? No, that was last year. So my 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 portfolio started at really zero. Um, So my first major investment was only May last year. So I, I spent a good year tracking expenses, learning about investing, um, putting myself in a position to actually have the money um, because there was very much a, a mindset shift. And, you know, it was very much hand in hand. I had to change the way that I was billing um, so that I could actually earn more money. So the first thing was obviously it's not just like I'm going to pull the money out of thin air. It was, it was very much a combined effort of reducing expenses, reducing the amount of money that we were taking out of our company, um, but also increasing the the amount of money that I was earning. Um, so that, I mean, that's a hard, that's actually more, more hard than the investing side, right? So getting to that stage was actually the most difficult part. Once we had that, then I, by that stage, been looking at investments for six months or more, I had an idea of where to start. 
um, and just literally started putting you know three thousand a month in, and I've been doing that now for you know for the last eighteen months. Okay, so it's it's something you if you were advising somebody, spend a number of months kind of researching, planning, setting your kind of boundaries or guardrails to what's feasible what's realistic for you it's like kind of having a smart goal and in some ways i suppose and at a point in the future set your target date to say right from from this point on now we we feel comfortable enough to to take that first step and then start kind of tracking towards it i I guess i'm asking you that question i'm just talking about as a no no i mean you've got to be comfortable with your investments for starters right like I, I could tell you to invest in something, and unless you're comfortable in it, you've you've ultimately got to be the one that's, that's comfortable, you know, in investing in it. So, it's very much very much a case of doing the research, working out your your plan, your journey, how you want to actually do this. Um, a lot of people just say just just buy the S and P five hundred index fund, which again, it's a great strategy, right? So work, yeah, find your strategy. It's it's almost like it's almost like thinking if you won the lotto, right? That's how, how I kind of looked at it. I said, if I won the lottery today, what would I do with the money, right? And you could almost have your sort of, uh, I guess, dummy investment portfolio based on that. Let's let's take fifty grand and work out where I put it, right? And then work backwards from there, right? I know you had Paddy Delaney on the show recently. He was saying the same thing. Begin with the end goal in mind, right? So it's very much a case of. You've got this vision. You've got this goal. Yes, you don't know how you're going to get there yet, right? But it all starts one step at a time. And, you know, it's it's financial independence is one of these things where, I mean, if I sat there and went, geez, I need 600 grand in a portfolio to be financially independent, that's going to take me a lifetime. You would never start. But if you actually just start by going, look, let's get on top of our expenses. Let's start living within our means is the first thing. And then, right, let's get some extra money in. And then, right, what are, what are we going to do with that extra money? work that out and then go right how can we get more money in and just work on it from that point of view literally looking at it one month at a time then it starts to become a lot a lot more easy i mean if, if you had told me 18 months ago i'm going to have an investment portfolio of 65 grand in 18 months i would have laughed at you um but it just you just literally go one month at a time yeah and it, one or two probably examples might jump into mind to kind of help people figure out what that that goal might be so obviously the biggest um investment people make is in their home so they tend to have a large mortgage and they say you know i'd love to be mortgage free by a certain point in time is that is that a good example of their starting with the end in mind and then kind of working back yeah so it's interesting you mentioned that rob i've got a little bit of a different take on the whole house thing right and it, it comes a little bit back from rich dad poor dad and robert kiyosaki says your house isn't an asset it's actually your greatest liability right so we were very fortunate that we bought a house in 2013 uh off nama and we got a steal we really did get a steal very it was just jealous. a concrete shell very yeah <laughs> it was it was just a concrete shell when we bought it um but to be honest you know we a year or so ago we were looking at, at upgrading our house and it was exactly that trade-off. It was, yes, we can get the bigger house, but it's going to mean me working longer. And in the end, we decided, no, we're just going to stay where we are. So, you know, back to that sort of struggle, we do. I mean, we're, we're a family of five in a, in a three-bedroom semi-D, right? You know, the small ones. Um, but yeah, having me at home is more important. So, you know, and even on the mortgage, I mean, come on, interest rates are 2.75%. That's, that's that's less than inflation, really, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, from my point of view, I've got, I'm not worried about the mortgage. Uh, I'd much rather invest a difference. And, you know, ultimately, in many ways, we are mortgage-free now because our passive income 
pays for our mortgage, right? So our mortgage isn't really a worry because we have that passive income covering it anyway. Um, so it's a little bit of a different mindset. And yeah, will we will we get a bigger house one day? Yeah, maybe. But we will pay for that from our investments or we will potentially rent this house out that we have now to then upgrade to a bigger house and have the rental income from this house pay for the mortgage on the new house. So there's various ways. It's called house hacking. Um, it's quite a big thing in, in the U.S., uh, where you basically look to make money from your house to kind of you know, get away with getting that bigger house. But the idea is you need to kind of work that out. It's not just a matter of going and getting a bigger house and taking a bigger mortgage. Um, because unless you're planning on downsizing your house or renting it out to students or something like that, maybe some bedrooms, your house isn't really an investment because it doesn't make you any money, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's speculation. There's, there's, yeah, your house goes up in value, but you still got to live somewhere. It's not like you're going to sell it and just go live in a tent. Yeah. So um, it's it's very much, again, that I, th I think we have kind of programmed and almost brainwashed to a large degree to get the new car, uh, you know, to replace your car every three years, to get the bigger house, um, you know, to keep up with the Joneses mentality. And really what I, I guess what I'm trying to do, I mean, my, I drive an 06. It's the oldest car in the school when I do the school run. And people are now starting to realize he's actually doing that on purpose. You know, we could buy a, big, uh, a new car tomorrow, of course, mm -hmm. but we don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to, you know. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. So I think a takeaway there would be, and I think it's a your a part of your strategy is that the in, earnings you will make off your investments, be it five, ten, fifteen percent, are going to far outstrip the percentage of interest you're paying on your mortgage. And and it's and it's okay to have that mindset of why not? Why couldn't I make that sort of interest? It doesn't have to be earning less than than you would be paying back in interest, right? Correct, correct. And look, if interest rates change and they go up dramatically, then the situation might change. But at the moment with low interest rates, you know, even even taking into account the tax that you need to pay on the on the investment income, it's still better than if you were um if you were actually just paying the mortgage off directly. Mm, very good. Michael, I think uh I think we've got a good bit out of that. I hope um I certainly learned something. I always tend to learn a few bits and pieces. I've scribbled notes down furiously here. Uh, and I hope folks listening have it's sparked their interest and made them think a little bit differently about how they're managing their income and and uh, obviously outgoings as well. I think uh, I think there's certainly stuff in there for folks to to enjoy. Let me know more about you and how folks can check out your podcast and check out your website playing with fire and just in general, maybe reach out to you if uh, they have any ideas or questions they'd like potentially to run by you. Yeah, so I mean, I've I've started the podcast really just to be able to to talk more about this and and not be the only guy that uh, yeah actually have people reach out to me that are also feeling the same way, and uh, that's available at playingwithfire.ie. Um, I've also just uh, started a financial independence meetup group uh, that's in Limerick, and we have our first meetup uh, and on the eighteenth of uh, September in the um, workbench for the Bank of Ireland in O'Connell Street. There's also a financial independence meetup in Dublin. Uh, which already, as I said earlier, already has members. So I'll be attending that on the 12th of September as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, please yeah, come and have a listen to my other podcast. It's it's very much more of the same of what we've discussed today. And it just tells stories of, of my journey and uh, and what I experience, I guess. Very good. And do you, are you planning on doing more interviews on the podcast? Because I know pretty much there have been solo runs so far. Yeah, so I plan on doing an interview every 10th episode. So I actually just interviewed a guy called Vince who runs the Financial Independence Meetup in Dublin. Uh, that'll be coming out later this week. 
Um, but yeah, certainly as I get more traction and I, I meet more people who are, are going down the same path as I am, uh, absolutely, I'd love, I'd love to interview more people. Brilliant, Michael. Look, thanks for sharing your story and talking through the approaches you're applying, how you're you're living your life. And very much enjoyed hearing that. And and best of luck. I'll, I'll keep certainly checking in on your portfolio. And uh, it, you know, the whole peer to peer thing is is certainly an area that I'm very very interested in. So I think it'd be worth uh checking that out and, and giving that a go i think definitely and look rob start with 50 euro do you know what i mean that's that's all you're going to risk 50 euro see how it goes see if it makes sense and if it does just add more yeah brilliant sounds good michael thanks a million and um we will stay in touch i'm sure thanks rob thanks for having me on no bother good luck so this is the outro of the podcast guys you got to the end and that is great please hang in here for another couple of minutes i know most people won't but maybe there's something here of interest so check this out first off thanks so much for listening to this one as well as maybe the hundred or so that's gone before it why not check them out if you haven't already there's lots of good stuff in there the whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning and i'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well so much has changed over the last few years since I started it. I've really realized lots of the goals that I put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well. And I think anytime you take on action towards a goal, you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way. And hopefully they're good things. In this particular episode, was there any one or two things that jumped out? Maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do. Do it now. Take it out. Write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode. Put a plan in place and then work towards it. Applying yourself deliberately over time. Take ownership. Build a habit. Improve. Get 1% better. Share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve. That's what it's all about. That's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website robofthegreen.ie you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better app page which i'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page you want to email me rob at rob of the instead but it's all about trying to engage you and get you to a place of improvement so i'm open to feedback as i said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at rob of the is the website or at rob of the green on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that will go into making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you 
don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place thanks for sticking to the very end talk to you next time and take care good luck